The word of our Lord from the Gospel of Matthew. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the ninety-nine that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Let's pray. O God of all the nations of the earth, remember the multitudes who have been created in your image but have not known the redeeming work of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And grant that by the prayers and labors of your holy church, they may be brought to know and worship you as you have been revealed in your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Our, one of the things that is, falls within the realm of the spiritual that our culture seems fascinated with is the idea of angels. And you hear an awful lot of talk about guardian angels in particular. I remember uh, seeing bumper stickers that say, don't drive faster than your uh, guardian angel can fly, or little, little tags that you put uh, hang from your rearview mirror in your car that would say that sort of thing. Here in this text, we actually have uh, what seems to be a case that could be made for guardian angels. Jesus has just been talking particularly about children and their relationship to the gospel. In fact, Matthew 18 begins by this question, uh, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus brings a little child uh, up to him. And he begins using this child as a sort of object lesson as he begins to teach throughout these verses of chapter 18. But notice how he begins this specific parable of the lost sheep. He begins in verse 10 by saying, Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. Here again, he's referring to the child that he, that he now has with him. And he says, For I say to you that in heaven, their angels... Not there are angels, like that form of there, but their angels, these children's angels, always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Now, he doesn't say anything beyond that about these angels and their relationship to, to the children or their relationship to, to the Father. He just simply takes it almost as a given that, of course, they have angels that are watching over them. And what we need to be reminded of as the church and as the people of God, but also the people of God who are trying to grow the kingdom of God and bring others into the fold of the people of God, is that Jesus watches over those He loves. He cares for those He loves. And as one who cares for those He loves, He takes care of them. God does not leave us defenseless. In fact, Jesus' last night with his disciples was spent in a very interesting way because he doesn't seem to to uh, remind them of things that he's taught them. Instead, he seems, as Dr. Kinlaw said a few years ago, he seems to say, you don't know enough yet. And so he begins in John's account of the gospel in uh, uh, 
chapters 14, 15, and 16 to teach them about the Holy Spirit who was to come and how Jesus was going away to the Father. He was returning to Him. And that was a good thing. It was not a bad thing. But He promises them, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. There will be another comforter who will come. And He says in that great Trinitarian language, I will pray to the Father and He will send the Spirit to you. And we will come to you through the Spirit. Jesus is concerned for His people. And He cares about them. And because He cares about them, He takes care of them. One of the things that I pray with with the kids when they are scared in the middle of the night, when they wake up having had a bad dream, or when they're having trouble going to sleep, and they say it's too dark or too quiet, or I heard a noise, I always remind them of a few things. I remind them this is a safe house. You got a lot of people in this house. It's going to be, you know, the chances are good. You'll, you'll be all right. Um, I remind them that, uh, that, that mommy and daddy aren't going to let anything happen to them. But I always make it a point, and Lindsay always makes it a point as well, to remind them that Jesus is watching over you. And his angels are watching over you. Because Jesus watches over those he loves. And here the context of this whole passage about the lost sheep. About this child that Jesus has taken up into his arms. And about those that he has come to redeem. For he says, the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. The whole context is about the fact that God cares about his people. He loves them. He does not want them to be lost. In fact, it ends uh, with Jesus saying, Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Jesus cares. The Father cares. The Father cares and so He sends the Son to rescue that which was lost. And the Son cares. And so He came. But even beyond that, He cares so much that He continues to watch over us. It may sound weird and, and it may even sound like something new age, but it is thoroughly grounded in the Scriptures to declare that there are angels all around us watching over us. God does not leave us defenseless. Jesus has something to say in this passage clearly about lost sheep. For that's what the parable is titled. If you've got your titles in your, in your margins or, or above the text there, you see this is the parable of the lost sheep. And he has something to say about the lost sheep. What he has to say is that Jesus seeks that which is lost. Verse 11, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. We, we are being told that, that the Father so cared for His lost sheep that He sent His Son to come and to redeem them, to rescue them. Now we get uncomfortable with labels. It's, it's a weird uh, quirk that we have. In our, in our culture, you've got movements about no labels. You know, don't label me. Don't, don't, don't brand me as this or that. I transcend labels. And, and there's, there's 
somewhat uh, something humorous in that, but also there's something understandable in that. We don't like to be we don't like to be pegged to something and and not be able to to live outside of that. But when we encounter the scriptures, we do find labels. We find labels uh, regarding those that are the the lost. We find labels of the unsaved. We find words like pagans and heathen and, and all those terms that are really labels in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. We can't get past those, those labels because they do point to some reality. There is a sense in which those who are lost are not found and those who are unsaved are not saved. Non-Christians are, are not Christians. And neither are pagans for that matter. Or heathens. But there's, there's a, a, a fine line that, that the church must, must, must walk between labeling without compassion and understanding the difference between people out of compassion. We must find a way to be clear that there is a fundamental difference between those who, who have been redeemed and those who have not. There is a fundamental difference between those who have been found by Jesus and those who haven't. Between those who have returned to the loving embrace of the Father and those who simply haven't. But we must never forfeit our compassion. It seems... That when the scriptures use labels, it's not so that people can be trapped by those labels. But so that the people of God can understand who needs to be reached. The shepherd, Jesus tells us, leaves the flock to find the wandering one. He doesn't stop to carefully think through, okay, how, how should I refer to this person? Is this person a lost person? Is this person an unsaved person? Is this person a non-Christian, perhaps a pagan? He simply recognizes this sheep has wandered and I will go find him. He doesn't stop to think of whether or not he should. It's a given. Of course he should. He doesn't stop to think of what he might call the wandering sheep. He simply goes to find him. And he says he goes to the mountains. He leaves the 99 behind to go and find that one which is wandering. He simply acts as necessity demands. There is one who is lost, who has wandered off. I must go and I must find him and I must bring him back to the fold. Jesus here is, is calling us not just to reach those who have never known the gospel, nor is He calling us just to reach those who have known the gospel but who have left it. He's instead calling us to, to reach all of those who have wandered from the flock of God. And our wandering, our, our lostness, sometimes relates to our to to our relationship to the flock in different ways there's a sense in which we could say that all people are children of god who've been made in his image though not all have embraced him as father 
God has created all people. He's created everyone with the capacity to know Him and to love Him. And He sent Christ to redeem all of them. That's what Jesus says when He says, Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Here, of course, He's talking specifically about the child that is in His lap. And He's talking about the little ones of the kingdom. But the parable is about all of those who who might wander off and all those who have wandered off. There are lost sheep all around us. Some of those sheep have never known what it is to, to find themselves in the loving embrace of the church. Some who have known what it is to be in the church and haven't known that to be a loving embrace. There are lost sheep who have been a part of the church and have wandered off. There are lost sheep who've never been a part of the church and they are still God's lost sheep. And He's looking for shepherds to go and to find them, to travel to the mountains, to bring them back. Because this passage doesn't just speak of lost sheep. It also alludes to what you could call deputized sheep. Now here's where it gets interesting. Y'all know what it means to deputize, right? It means you give a, a little bit of authority to, to someone who didn't previously have it. You've got, you've got chaos going on in the community uh, and, and, and you need some more cops and so you deputize some people that are good and trustworthy and honorable that could go into and can at least pretend to be cops for a while. They, they, they have a, a, an authority from, from the state or from the city or from, from whatever governing body there is to go out and to do the work of a deputy. I mentioned last week that when we wrestle with parables, we often try to make them say more than they're saying rather than just hearing the story and taking the lesson from it and trying to figure out different ways to apply it. But what we, what we find in the Scriptures, what we find in the Gospel, is that Jesus not only brings those who have wandered off back into the flock, but He also sends His flock to go and to rescue others. That's what evangelism is all about. Those who have, have received the good news are to go and to pronounce it to others, to go and to proclaim it to others, to share that good news of the kingdom of God, that Christ has come, that, that God has set us free, and that He's doing something new. He is redeeming the world, and we can take part in that as we yield ourselves to Him. But he, he, the, the gospel goes out. The work of evangelism goes out and draws us in. And what it then does is it, is it prepares us to go back out. So in the strange and mysterious economy of God, somehow those lost sheep that are brought back into the fold become shepherds who are then sent back out to the mountains to find other lost sheep who have wandered off. The mission of the church is to be the presence of Christ in His world. 
to be his presence, to point the world to Jesus, to show the world the love of Jesus, to show the world the compassion and the mercy and the the grace of Jesus. To be his presence in the world. To carry on that ministry of reconciliation that Paul talked about. There's a breakdown that begins to occur in in parables. These simple stories sometimes seem to get a bit complicated. Sheep are not called just to come and to feed and to, to just be a part of the flock and to remain passive but sheep are called to to come and then to be commissioned to take part in the great campaign of rescuing other sheep. We are given the Redeemer's mantle for redemptive ministry. And we are sent out to brave the elements and dangers, to go to the mountains in search for our brothers and sisters who have wandered off. The point of the text is that the Father cares about those who He he has made in His image who are not bearing that image, who have broken that image, who have destroyed that image. And He cares that that image be restored. He cares that his lost sheep be brought back into the fold. He cares that those who have wandered off to the mountains have someone who's willing to go to the mountains to bring them on back. He cares so much that Jesus says, this is what the Father rejoices in more than anything. Jesus delights the Father through rescue. All throughout the gospel narratives, you have Jesus making reference to himself as the one who has been sent by the Father. He cannot understand himself apart from that identity, apart from from that relationship of being the one who has been sent by the Father. He refers to the Father specifically, the Greek text says, as the sending me Father. We clean it up with phrases, oh, the Father who sent Him. But Jesus understands that the Father is the one who has sent Him. He is the sending me Father. Because He delights in finding His sheep rescued. Jesus says that that shepherd who who leaves the 99 to go off to the mountains to find the one that has wandered, when he comes back, he, he is rejoicing even more so in this one that was lost and is now found than he is in those who remained put and never wandered away. And he says the Father's will is that none of these would perish. Not one. And so the church has work to do. We, as the church, have work to do. 
It's not enough to remain faithful to the flock. That's important. In fact, you can't bring those who have wandered back into the flock if you're not part of the flock. But it is important that we recognize that God has called us not just to be 99 sheep who have not wandered off and have remained faithful, but He calls us to be faithful in seeking to save that which is lost. Now, we don't do the work of saving, but we are without a doubt called to the ministry of reconciliation. We are called without a doubt to the ministry of standing between the church and the world, standing between God and His people. And trying to bring His people back to Him. Trying to bring the world back into the, the, the life-giving joy and presence of what it means to be the church of Jesus. We have work to do. And it's funny because God sometimes makes that work awfully easy to do. Most of us probably run into dozens of people every single day who have wandered off in one way or another. Sometimes they've got a testimony of what their walk with Jesus was like, but that walk has gone cold or it's wandered off to the mountains. Some of them have no testimony whatsoever. They've not, never known what it is to embrace the loving arms of their Father. They've never known what it is to, to taste and see that the Lord is good. They've never known what it is to, to, to give their lives to Jesus. The hard part, one of the hard parts, is getting beyond ourselves and thinking, this is my responsibility. It's not the responsibility of someone else. It's not for someone else to do. It is my responsibility. The sheep can't sit back nicely and cleanly in the story of the parable and say, boy, it's good to be part of the flock that hasn't strayed. Because that's not how the gospel works. God is in the transformation business and He transforms His sheep to become shepherds to other sheep. And Jesus makes it very plain that there is more rejoicing over those who have been redeemed than in those who needed no redemption. There is more rejoicing when one comes back to the flock than there is in those who never left.
We've got work to do. And that work points us to our Father who is rejoicing. And why does He rejoice? The Father rejoices because lost sheep have been found. And those found lost sheep are sent back out to find more lost sheep so that the Father can rejoice again. Let's pray.